Hi, and welcome to the KC Praxis Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Jake McGregor. It's just so great that you're here. It's great that you're here with us. It's great that we're worshiping um, together in this building. So much has happened here. Um, I'm just thankful for it. So all that to say. Um, Mark chapter 1. We're just going to spend some time. We, Liz, last week introduced, and I shouldn't say introduced because I feel like at Kingdom Community, we've looked at this passage kind of over and over and over again. Um, the first words Jesus speaks, Mark 1, 14. Actually, 15. Uh, this is Jesus basically walking onto the scene, and these are the first words that he speaks. The time promised by God himself has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, That word good news is the word gospel. It's the word evangelion. Uh, It means something has happened in concrete reality that changes everything. Tomorrow can be different than today. God is at work. We know he's here, right? And he is doing miracles all around us. I can think right now in this room, of two or three miracles that we've prayed for uh, together as a family. Like things have happened that are miraculous. They're evidence of God's work, right? That is the gospel, you guys. That is the good news. And I can think of many, many more that we're still praying for, right? We're still hoping for. But we're believing because we believe in a Jesus who came on the scene and he said, the time has come. See, a lot of times in churches, we think that we're waiting for something, right? We gather together and we, 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 we worship, we sing songs to God, and we think about heaven, We think about someday when we get to go to heaven, and that's a beautiful hope, and it's true. But notice what Jesus said. The time has come, right? The kingdom of God has come near to you. And so there's something mysterious that is happening right now all around us. For those of us who understand who Jesus is, we've invited him into our lives, right? And we've said, we're going to tend to your presence. We're going to live your ways. We believe that we can actually see him act in concrete reality, Isn't that rad? I mean, that is awesome. You guys, that is the gospel. That is the good news. That's the reason we've done this whole ministry for this many years. It's the reason we started Kingdom Community, because we believe that God is on the move. It's a simple thing, but it's a beautiful thing. So Jesus comes on the scene, and he announces this, and he proclaims this new gospel. I want to talk a little bit tonight about how that all actually works, okay? Um, Because if that's true, if the gospel is good news and the kingdom is breaking in, the natural question we start to ask is, okay, so what do we do now? How does that all happen? Um, And for some of us, right, there's some reality going on in our lives where we look around the world around us. Um, I flipped on the news this morning. It was a mistake. (laughs) Um, It's not a mistake, right? There's brokenness happening in the world around us. There are things, miracles still yet to be seen, right? Um, a lot of times we look around and we can see that things actually are still kind of a bummer in a lot of different places. And if a new kingdom is breaking in, I wish it would hurry up, right? So to understand how this all works, and this is just a short message tonight, just a short encouragement. Um, you have to keep reading, okay? So if you go back to Mark 1, uh, the first thing Jesus does is he calls disciples to come along with him, right? He heads out to the sea, Uh, And he gets two fishermen and he says, come and follow me. And they drop everything and they follow him. Okay, we're going to come back to that in a second. Notice verse 21 and 22. Kingdom of God has arrived, right? This is the scene. 
the good news, right? I, I've come to preach the good news to you. This is what happens next, okay? Uh, Mark 1, 21. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, so now Jesus has got some followers. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority. If you have a paper Bible that's yours, you can underline that there because it's profoundly important. He was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes or the teachers of the law. If you skip down to verse 27, it says, They were all amazed, so they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. Now, what does this mean? Notice it says Jesus is in the synagogue, okay? So think of the, the oldest, most beautiful church you possibly can, right? Like this church has been around for a long time. People have been gathering there for hundreds of years, okay? When Jesus goes into a synagogue, this is like an intact part of the community. This is where they went to worship. This was the church that everyone knew, okay? A place where religion happens, okay? So Jesus walks into this synagogue, right, this old place of worship, place where they studied, they dove deeply into the scriptures. The synagogue is, is less a place of worship as much as it is a place of looking into the scriptures, right, and hearing the scriptures taught. And so Jesus goes into this synagogue, okay, um, to this place where they went to learn, to pray, to study the scriptures, to worship. And when teachers of the law went into the synagogue, they always, and they stood up to teach, they would always start in the same way. They would say, they would get their, their, their Bible out, right? For them, it was the, probably the Torah or the Tanakhs, like old, old ancient writings, right? And they'd get up and they, they would stand up. Everybody would be seated, seated. And they would read from it. And they would say, it is written. It is written. And then they would give the scripture and then they would begin to teach, okay? So they always started the same way, it is written. So the Bible, right, the Old Testament was their authority for what they were about to say. When Jesus came along and he began to teach, he spoke differently, right? If you read the rest of the story in the four Gospels, most of the time, instead of saying, it is written, or the Bible says, Jesus begins his teaching by saying, I say to you, I'm about to tell you something, right? It's a subtle difference. Uh, if you were to turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 5, um, Jesus gives one of his most sustained teachings, okay? And in Matthew 5, uh, if, you're, if you want to go there, 527. Linda, did you go there? Are you in Matthew 5? She's getting there. You're 527. What does it say? Now read 28. So, you have heard it said... Right? You know what the Bible says, but I say to you. Right? Read 31. Yeah. So you've heard the law said you can get a divorce, but I say to you, there's something more to it than that. Right? There's something deeper and more profound going on. Jesus does this over and over again. If you were to look at 33, 38, this is the way he teaches. You've heard it said, right? There's this old authority, but I'm giving you a new authority, right? I want you to notice when Jesus teaches, he is claiming his own authority for what he's saying. 
which means that Jesus has original authority, not derived from anywhere or anyone else. And for a Jew, the only person who could, like, there was only one being who could speak on their own authority and teach us how to live our lives. Who is that being? God, right? Only God, God alone has authority like this. This is why right off the bat, they start accusing Jesus of blasphemy. He never claims to be God, but you can see he's claiming his own authority, right? I'm telling you, this is what's about to happen. This is the best way to live. I want you to notice what happens next, because from the very moment Jesus begins teaching in the synagogue, right, Mark 21, 21 and 22, people begin to realize these are more than just words. After Jesus' teaching, something happens immediately, okay? Let's read verses 23 through 26. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue, so there's a person there, actually hurting, actually in pain. Something's wrong, right? A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short, be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. You guys, something happens. A man is healed. And we think of, we, we, we could get into the, to the fact that there's a demon, you know, happening here, right? There's a whole different layer there. But this is a person with real pain, real brokenness. And Jesus arrives on the scene and he says, I say to you, right? And then he says to the unclean spirit, to the man with the struggle, he says, come out of this person. He heals him right then and right there. So not only does he say something, not only does he read the Bible, not only does he teach it, but something happens in concrete reality. He has recognized that's what the gospel is, right? The good news is real. It causes a real effect in this world um, because he has authority, right? He comes and he doesn't just tell us that life can be different. He begins to build in us a different life. Life changes as a result of being near Jesus, getting to know him, inviting him in, studying these scriptures. We see it. We feel it. Right? We see it in those around us. He has authority. Um, I want to draw your attention to one last piece here, and then Liz and Ali are going to come up and, and share a little bit. We're going to work a little bit through this, okay? Uh, Matthew 6, and you guys, everybody turn there. Matthew 6, 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Same teaching, same Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Back up into verse 8. He says, pray like this. This is the Jesus who teaches with authority. And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Uh, this is a different translation. I love the way it says it, though. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. May your kingdom come today on earth as it is in heaven. Right? May your kingdom come today, here, now, in this place, on earth as it is in heaven. When we end our prayer, how do we end a prayer? Amen.
Typically, if you're like in an evangelical church or you're like hanging out with some Baptist people, there's another phrase that you say, in Jesus' name. So you're claiming authority in Jesus' name and the power of this one who has his own authority. And then you say, amen. Anybody know what amen means? Let it be. May it be. May it be done. May it happen. Right? Let it be. So whatever prayer you pray, when you pray in the name of Jesus, and then you say, may it be done, you better be ready. Right? You better be prepared. These prayers don't just hover in the air. Probably what's going to happen is God is going to invite you into something he's doing. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we think that we're just going to pray, we're just going to talk to God, and we're just going to leave that to him. That typically hasn't been my experience. My experience has been when I'm praying and I'm in the depths of prayer and I'm struggling with God, he invites me to participate in the thing that I'm praying about, right? Because he wants it to be done. And so when I say amen, I better be ready, right? I better be ready for something to happen. I better be ready for some invitation to come to me to participate because where, what are we praying? Where do we want his kingdom to come? Here, now, in this place. And then when we say amen, we say let it be. Do we mean that? Do we believe that we're actually claiming the authority of the Jesus who is actually alive, the Holy Spirit who is actually present, right? Think about that. When you interact with Jesus, when you pray, do you understand? This is real. We're not playing around. Real power, real authority goes out is available. And again, there are answers to these prayers sitting in this room right now. You know who you are. I may not know some of the answers to prayers that have taken place here. Some of us are still longing. You know who you are. When you pray in Jesus' name and you say, amen, let it be, is there an invitation that's actually being extended to you? And I wonder when we end our prayer, do we understand that when we say, so be it, that we're actually operating under the authority of our King Jesus. I don't have much else, you guys. It's just something that I'm, I'm taken with this, this week as I think about what he's led us through, um, as I think about the things that have happened in our community, um, things that we're praying for, right? When we talk about Jesus and the first thing he said is the kingdom has come, and then he teaches us how to pray, may it will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Do we understand the things that we're praying, right? I wonder what would happen if you and I, instead of only praying for someone hungry to be fed, if we ended our prayers by saying, so be it. And then we went out and we made sure that someone was fed, right? Instead of our praying for some personal crisis to be averted, right? Do we pray and do we take action, work to try to sort out our crises, right? Inviting God into these things, working through, right? we pray for forgiveness, do we ask for forgiveness? Do we confess what we've done, right? Do our prayers call us to action? They should. They should. Um, we believe in a God who's working, right, in a kingdom that's been inaugurated. Um, there's so much more to it. You guys, so much more to this passage. I just want to encourage you, spend some time in Mark chapter 1. It's been messing with me this last week. We hope that you enjoyed this week's teaching. To connect with us and for more resources, you can find us on social media as KC Praxis or email us at kcpraxis at 180lodi.org.